Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Two guys at a mic show here on the talkzone.com. As Mr. Announcer Man told you to open up the show, if you're checking in via the live webcast, we have another face in the studio, a much younger, much more effervescent, much uh, more vibrant looking face than your line. Now, you won't be able to see him, but you can't today. We, uh, you had a great summer, my friend. But the Eminem Man, the Young and the Restless, as we Saturday when the Missouri Tiger take on. Whoever the hell is. of Ohio. Oh, see, that he's already got this guy. Be doing this whole show. Missouri Tigers, you got to love it. I don't know why he's here as a Missouri Tiger fan. Well, they got a quarterback. I know who was their quarterback last year. Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. Right? Drop back, great arm, but the guy they got this year, I heard. James Franklin. Look at this. You're right on your. Did you go to Missouri? I did. Shocking. <laughs> tell, tell us about James Franklin, because Big Dog, obviously, not excited about Missouri football. I'm just glad that they're not on Illinois schedule this year. Yeah, you don't want another loss on that schedule. Uh, <laughs> tell me real quick, James Franklin, the new quarterback, um, get me psyched up a little he's, uh, he's, college football to get the caffeine going this morning. He, the way they com- well, obviously he didn't play too much last year, but he's a little bit like Brad Smith, kind of a somewhat facetiously, but oh no, our, I, I was because yes. Missouri has yes. been the favorite in each one of the games and has beaten yeah. Illinois convincingly in most of them. Yeah, and I, honestly, this year was be the first year that. Illinois probably would have been favored in the game, but you know what? Whether you're playing it again, whether you're favored or not, basketball, football, Illinois and Missouri, it's good stuff. I'm not going to say I was about to say it's what college football is all about. That's a little bit cliche, but Illinois and Missouri, that's just it's good for the game. It's good for Illinois. It's good for Missouri. Not, not for the football game though. The basketball game is always a real good game. Illinois usually wins. Well, the football game is. Missouri gets out to a 21 nothing lead, yeah. and they end up winning by three points. But again, that's, that's basically the game. You're right, but but again, yep. I'm trying to take a greater vision of it. You're, you're being short-sighted in the most recent. I'm talking about you know Illinois and Missouri, the campuses, not that far away, right? Mike, how long of a drive is? It? I'm sure you visited many girlfriends in six, Champaign. Six hours. Six hours. It's pretty. It's that's a, like, yeah. it's what, a what decent trip. Uh, yeah, I would say it's pretty close. It's two hours. Well, maybe somewhere around five. Okay. Yeah, because okay. it's two it's two hours to St. Louis from Missouri. Uh, you got to really like the girl then if you're gonna. That's that's a long weekend <laughs> for a, for a college kid. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why Mike went uh, geographically desirable with the girlfriend. But but I still maybe it's the fact that the Illinois Champagne fans, Illinois uh, people down there, you know, some root for Chicago teams, some root for Missouri teams. So there's that. Kind of little connection down there. Anyhow, I just think Illinois, Missouri is uh, is even beyond what's happened the last couple of years, Big Dog. It's just good. It's a good natural rivalry, one that should be kept. It, it, it is a great rivalry, and you just see crazy combinations. Because I, I, I was, you know, I, I went to school in that area, so you would see people that were Illinois Cardinal and uh, St. Louis Ram fans, and you'd be like, "How does how does this happen?" Yeah. You know, then another and, and Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. How, how do you get a combination like that? So they just pick and choose down there in Central Illinois and Missouri to figure out, you know, exactly who they're going to, whose team they're going to be. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Mike, I can tell you firsthand from personal connections, University of Missouri becoming very popular with the Chicago area kids. It it really is. It's something that I think has grown since I started to go there. Not like <laughs> not saying that I started a trend, but. <laughs> 
But from like the time from the time I started going to Missouri in 2004 till now, it's growing steadily. They're they're having more of a Chicago impact on the campus, and mm-hmm. I think that has something to do with them having more of an influence here with like a full time recruiting recruiting base here. Mm-hmm. For college admissions, people. Uh, well, we got a little Big 12 blood. I had no idea he was going to wear the Missouri Tiger t-shirt. Big dog, again, you cannot see, but the fans viewing the webcast here can see. I am wearing, uh, we visited colleges at spring break. One of the schools, beautiful Manhattan, Kansas. I'm proudly wearing my freebie t-shirt given to me by the bookstore at the Kansas State Wildcat University. So I got K-State, Missouri. What college shirt are you wearing, big dog? Or uh, That's exactly what I'm wearing is a shirt that says college on it. <laughs> how that works out today. Uh, I hate to get too personal, but uh, many females out there want to know. We get emails all the time, boxers or briefs today. Uh, actually, right now I'm doing it just in a row. Just let you know, Coach. Just really? Yeah, just throwing that out there. Now, did you say beautiful Manhattan, Kansas? <laughs> I liked it. My wife and my kid hated it. I enjoyed it. Well, you know, Kansas is basically just a desert. Yes. There's still just enough topsoil now that they're still growing yeah. stuff there. But, like, within three years, it's just yeah. going to be a desert again. The, the so. drive from Lawrence, Kansas, to Manhattan, Kansas, might have been the most boring hour and a half I've ever spent in my life. Well, Kansas isn't the most exciting state, so. Yeah. Yeah. But there is, you'll be happy to know, Big Dog, there is one flight a day. Um, what the heck, airlines? Eagle, American Eagle. Once a day from Chicago, direct to Manhattan, Kansas. If you ever get the urge, you can just hop on board. Plenty of good seats available. Uh, believe it or not, I might have to go to Kansas soon, Coach, and I don't want to even <laughs> talk about that issue totally. I, I know more about Kansas than you might might want to know. It's, it's on a gigantic reservoir, by the way, just listen. The whole entire state is on, like, this pool of water. So the United States controls a, a ma- basically about a third of the world's fresh water Interesting. is underneath Kansas all the way that goes north up until, like, uh, the Wyoming area, the Dakotas, actually. Is there a threat that uh, you could have some kind of giant reservoir leakage in the state of Kansas could be uh, in no, deep well, trouble? No, no. That, well, it's on top of the reservoir, so it's not like it's going to – it's on top of water. It's kind of like floating over a coast. Well, but, you know, I'm sure you're aware we – Mother Nature has been uh, rather upset the last couple of years. We have uh, a earthquake. A couple, not a couple of days ago, yesterday out east, which shook things up a little bit. We have a hurricane. I know, Mike, you're tracking it as our weather guy here. Hurricane Irene about ready to hit Florida, the first of the hurricanes. They've already canceled tomorrow's Florida Marlins game. That's the threat of Hurricane Irene. So things are happening, Big Dog. I'm a little worried. You know, things could shake up in the state of Kansas, and uh, there could be leakage. No, there's going to be there's going to be crazy storms <laughs> all over the place because yes. uh, what you got. Well, you have earthquakes going on in, in West Virginia yep. and at New York yesterday. That was awfully crazy. Right after the show was over with our found out that information. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just supposed to be a crazy year for, for uh, what do you call it, hurricanes. Now, in Missouri, what are they known for, tornadoes? Do you get any type of crazy uh, weather down in Missouri besides tornadoes? Uh, during the winter, they get a lot of ice storms. Oh, oh from, as someone from central Illinois, Coach, those are the worst. I'm not kidding, believe it or not. Within half an hour, you can get like a quarter inch of ice over everything, everything. It's one of the most amazing things you will see is like that band across the United States that gets these ice storms during Mm -hmm. like that. Is it like like giant hail coming down? I mean, you can actually get injured by the... No, it's it's, rain, and as soon as it lands, it freezes. Mm. And it happens legitimately like two to three times a month. 
Yeah, it can it can get really bad down there with the across the state with ice, and a lot of times it's it's really dangerous. How many times did uh, school get canceled while you were there for? Did you last all four years? Just once. Just one year you only lasted? Oh, no, no, just one. <laughs> just <laughs> once it got canceled. I That's made it. it all four. You made it all four? Yes. <laughs> now, the beautiful thing, and I'm sure I'm sure Mike has seen the slide, is is uh. People flipping on this because there's uh, everything is covered with ice, Coach. I mean everything. Mm-hmm. So you're walking on the sidewalk, and next thing you know, you're just laughing because somebody that you know just their feet are above their head out of nowhere. Just because they're well, one one year, I had made it almost the whole year. As a matter of fact, my buddy Butler, who very rarely did laundry, one time <laughs> slipped, and when he was laying on the ground. We noticed that he was wearing a jack strap instead of underwear. So oh I picked him by that and started dragging him on the ice. Yeah. Well, uh, he, I, he ran out of uh, underwear, so he had to wear his wrestling jack strap. To, I met uh, I met Butler one time, and if it's the Butler I remember, that's, that's a large jock strap he had to be wearing. That's a <laughs> well, big man. Well, I was dragging. Wow. So, I'm not kidding you. Some of the worst spills you will ever see. <laughs> so, so, like, you, you, know, you think you're cute and you're in college and you go out drinking. Well, if you're in central Missouri or Illinois, you can literally kill yourself, Coach. I'm not, that's, that's no joke. <laughs> now, let me ask you, as we talk a little uh, weather-related information here, by the way, anybody that wants to check in, Mike Moreau in the house today. Any M&M fans out there, give us a call. You want to talk some sports, jump off the sports page. We're more than willing to do that one-hour show. Not much time, so get in while the getting is good. David Olson, our producer on the other side of the glass, uh, keeping us on the uh, – Tried and true, if you will, on today's show, as per always. 888-463-6748. That's our phone number, 888-463-6748. i got to ask uh, the man with the four-year education at the University of Missouri in beautiful Columbia, why do hurricanes have names, but why not earthquakes? I really couldn't tell you. It's a good question. Four years of education. Not the University of Missouri, you got no response. No, not something I was ever really interested in knowing. You're killing me here. Big Dog, you <laughs> want to make something up? Well, maybe because they, they always have, well, that was a 6.9er. You know, Dave, you remember the remember the 7.1 that rocked us back in, in 74? So I think that's maybe what it is. We just have, uh, like, categories, and there's only five categories. Mm-hmm. And especially if you live in Florida, you can't say, remember that category three. Which one in, in 84? Or, like, so that's maybe that's what it is. Okay. And why? And you know they're calling them. Don't they have hemicanes now, and not just hurricanes? Because women, like some women's group, were upset that. Yes. All the yeah, isn't that crazy? One of the dumbest things I've yeah. ever heard anybody upset about was it's it's sexist to have all the hurricane names female. Yep. You know we got a lot of things to worry about in this world. Uh, everything from our fantasy drafts coming up, Mike Moreau, to what's going on in Libya. The fact that hurricanes have female names, I'm going to assume, is not a great concern of yours. Nope, never has been, probably never will. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. By the way, speaking of fantasy drafts, if I can get off weather a second. I know I brought up weather, so I'm the one to blame here, but any other uh, weather-related things, Big Dog, besides the state of Kansas possibly drowning in the future and an earthquake and a hurricane in the last couple of days? No, no, not all. As a matter of fact, I want to ask Mike questions about uh, Big 12 college football, to be quite honest with you. uh, He's got to be the expert, so the first one I'm going to ask you is, is does anybody in your conference have a chance to beat Oklahoma this year? And do you think, like me, they're as great as everybody else? Because normally I don't agree with the number one pick. And this year with Oklahoma, I, I, I emphatically agree with Oklahoma as the best team in college football. Well, the thing with Oklahoma is they've already, I mean, they've tragically lost one of their best linebackers, Austin Box, last, mm-hmm. who, who was found unresponsive. 
Oof. at her friend's house over over the summer. And then recently they just lost one of their linebackers, I think Travis Lewis, who's out for eight weeks with a broken foot. So their defense is hurting a little bit. And it's the thing with college football. You never really know like who's going who's gonna to come up and bite you because any, any different week, you can you can you can lose to a team that just plays better than you for one game. Who are the top Big Twelve contenders this year, Big Dog or Mike? It's, it's um, Oklahoma. Oh, period. Oklahoma's one, and then yeah. I believe Texas A and M is the second oh, yeah. second yeah. favorite. Yeah, the Texas A and M, and it's basically coming out of the the South again. But now that now that there's ten teams, is it just one conference? All and there's not broken down into five. Right, no, everyone everyone plays each other. And another team that might sneak up, you know, is Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's another team that has the offensive weapons, but defensively, who knows? They got a Heisman Trophy candidate, don't yeah, they? Brandon yeah, Brandon Oh, the Whedon, Apple. too. And then uh, who's the wide Just, receiver? Justin Blackman is Blackman, who? He's yeah. Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State. Oh, okay. Well, Oklahoma State has the best receiver in the country coming back in Blackman, but Broyles from Oklahoma should not be overlooked, Coach. The, the best receivers in the country belong in the in the, in in the, the Big, 12. Big 12 this year because well. Missouri also has another stud coming back, a kid that was a freshman last year that was like this big, huge receiver. What's yeah. your name? Oh, uh, the tight end, Michael Agnew. Yeah, so there's there's some good 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 receivers in. Uh, yeah, I gotta throw in, in uh, one other guy. Just showing you, I've done my college football homework. We're doing a little uh, college football to open up the show. You want to check in eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. We'll get the baseball little Bears talk coming up in a little bit. Feel free to call in. We'd love to get you on. But uh, the other receiver, I just gotta throw this in here. Yeah, the kid out of South Carolina, not a super speedster, but six three, six four, catches everything they say. Alshon, he might. Alshon Jeffrey. That's the man. Yeah. So no, you got you got to throw him in the team picture as well. Oh no, no, that kid Jeffrey is the awesome coach, and he's one of those guys that you know if you get man to man coverage, if you're in zero or one coverage, you could legitimately just drop three step drop, plant your foot, yeah. and throw it up. And possibly have like a 50-50 shot at getting a 30-yard yeah. play. I'm not just, kidding. That's how good the kid is right now. And that, that's really tough. If you could do that to a defense, you really have to adjust. And then next thing you know, everything else opens up. And all of a sudden, you're running the ball and you're, mm-hmm. you've got a short passing game just because you got a stud out there that is basically a mismatch versus every mm-hmm. corner in college football. South Carolina. And to watch Steve Spurrier win can be a painful thing because he has won – about SEC coaches. Oh, I can't stand Nick Saban winning. Oh, the Mad Hatter, this guy limps over the finish line. There's not a lot of coaches that you like in the SEC coach. Well, that that came out of deep left field. I don't know why we've had that conversation. I haven't even <laughs> thought about that before. No, I've, I've not heard a lot of stuff about Saban and about Nick Saban. About don't like Nick Saban at all. Who else? Right, he left Miles. Eh, vanilla. If you like vanilla ice cream. No, he's not. He's actually probably the most colorful and charismatic of anybody. Les in that Miles. Conference. Yep. Probably the probably the luckiest coach in the SEC. Okay. Yeah, I <laughs> I agree with Mike's and how charismatic and colorful. Yeah, yeah. As a you guys have to watch the thing I did on Les Miles because, as a matter of fact, just to let you know, I, on one of my videos, YouTube videos last year, I pulled the I pulled the the horseshoe out of Les Miles behind, so he no longer has that. <laughs> he will, so the karma's coming back to Les Miles. They better block and tackle this year at LSU, or else they're they're not going to win much. But they, they're they're going to need to score more than anything. Their offense is pretty shaky. The defense has carried them the last couple of years. Decade. 
Uh, that's true. Their quarterbacks, the quarterbacks have been pretty average lately. Well, uh, they had Matt Flynn who played the great season when they won the, when they won the national championship. But like that Jefferson kid, he is the most erratic quarterback in college football. He could be the best player or the worst player on your field. But LSU Oregon, by the way, is September 3rd, fellas. Woo. If you can get juiced up for college football, uh, like legitimately those are the top five to six teams in the country in terms of just flat out uh, talent all over the field. They possibly could be one and two. Right. There's a lot of, there's a couple of big games that weekend. So, I mean, uh, co- college football is coming out to, uh, you know, a big start. Here, I'll throw some. I'll throw some. Okay. Uh, let's see if I got Open my games weekend. here. Here's here some of the big, big games of the season. LSU, Oregon. You already mentioned. How about Oklahoma at Florida State, folks? If you haven't followed college football, the Seminoles are back on top. They are a national championship contender. Oklahoma against Florida State, September seventeenth. Big dog. That's September seventeenth. Huh? Yep. Okay, so that's the third weekend of college, or the fourth weekend, possibly, right? How about uh, October first, Nebraska, the Cornhusker at Wisconsin, what an atmosphere! A lot of red in that particular stadium. What yes. a ball game that will be. That you know, we were you know, both teams have like the nickname Big Red, and the Nebraska always says they came up with this first, but Wisconsin travels better, mm-hmm. so we're gonna, we're gonna. That's going to be a huge rivalry game. Yeah, it's going to. It's not yet, but you're right. It will be the the battle. They should come up with a trophy there, something. You know who owns the red for the year? Texas A and M at Oklahoma. That'll, that that could be potentially for the Big Twelve yep. Big Twelve title. November fifth. If you want to pencil that one down, what else we got up here, Wisconsin? That is going to be a, an electrifying game. Legitimately, like I think both teams could put forty points up on the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they have the most offensive talent coming back of any teams in the country are Texas A and M and Oklahoma. So, and both teams have pretty good defenses. I, I and they have, all have return games and guys that can just flat out run. Texas A and M Oklahoma could be the game of the year in college football. We'll see. Mm-hmm. How about um, how about Oregon at Stanford, November twelfth? Yeah, we keep sleeping on Stanford. I, I know I have been. Uh, yeah, they always they always seem to be the team like forgotten about. Everybody talks about Andrew Luck, but. No one really talks about Stanford and how good they potentially could be. New coach yeah, well, this year. The Stanford is loaded with offensive linemen, tight ends, and fullbacks, and somehow they keep grinding you out, running the ball. And next thing you know, one of those slow wide receivers is flying down the middle of the field, wide open, <laughs> and Andrew Luck is hitting them for a touchdown. And you're like, how the heck do they do it to you? Fundamentals. Yeah, and they usually have a big white running back who's better than you think too. Who, who took over for um? We know Jimmy Harbaugh is now uh, coordinating the NFL franchise known as the San Francisco 49ers. Who was the coach? I, I forget his name. And he's a really big guy. He's was like he? An off, he was like an offensive line coach or a, or a D line coach. So he was one of the assistants. Yes, he was. He, he took over the program. Yeah, I can't. I can't. See, I can't remember the name exactly is he right an now. American Mike? Uh, I'm not sure. I think he is. Uh, that's I'm picturing like a real big African American dude. Like real thick, Under new coach, headed. here it is, uh, David Shaw. That's it. Don't know anything no about him, but it's... American. Yeah. So nope. he will not be confused uh, with Jim Harbaugh. The two do not exactly look alike. <laughs> no, no. Okay. But uh, Stanford football should be in good hands, especially this year, and definitely rooting for uh, Andrew Luck to have a, a phenomenal senior year. I really do want him to win the Heisman Trophy and have a great year at Stanford. And any kid that comes back, I'm not just because you come back, you need to do the right thing always, but... 
he really thought the right thing was for him staying in college football. So I don't want this kid getting hurt. And all of a sudden there's an example and everybody else just goes no matter what because Andrew Luck had like a disaster of a senior year. So. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw one out at you. Talk a little college football here. and uh, I don't want to get too much into it because we got a, some big preview shows coming up, Big Dog. But uh, Michael Moreau, see if you can guess first in the Big Dog. I have in front of me Sports Illustrated's top ten traditions in college football. It could be anything from a pregame to a marching band to a postgame. Top ten traditions. And obviously it's all opinion. Coach. Yeah, I'm Oh, Ole Miss tailgate, the Grove has got to be the on Ole there. Miss tailgate is not in the top ten. What happens really? at the Ole? Wow. What ha- I never, I never heard. Both of our first guests, okay, that's not in the top ten. That's that's funny. What is it? Help for the other fans like myself, not aware what the heck goes on. In- well, well, Coach, the game is on Saturday, right? Yes, sir. Well, the the vans get there on Monday morning. <laughs> it's it's, okay. it's a huge it's a huge tailgate before the game where. You know, the, the the players walk through the grove to the stadium. And you have the fans tailgating, like, all over. It's like, it. I mean, I'd, I've never been to, to to describe the scene accurately, but from what I've heard and what people have told me who have been, they say it's something where you definitely have to experience and, and okay. check out. So it surprises me it's not on there. Okay. Yeah, 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 Mike's right. And uh, the best way for me to put it is two, two things. Mississippi has not been good for years. I know they got Houston then they had a couple decent seasons, but college game day is there every year just because they want to cover the Grove, believe mm-hmm. it or not. And the other thing is the only place in the world where you'll see an African-American waving the rebel flag. <laughs> <laughs> Which is truly a unique sight. All right, that should have been on there. You guys convinced me. Sports Illustrated messed up. Throw me some other ones, see if they're, they're on there. Real quick, any listeners want to... Uh, Pipe in, see if you can guess Sports Illustrated's top ten traditions in college football. Triple eight. Now, Mike, I, now I'm a little bit. I, I, I don't know where they're going with this, so I don't know like exactly what traditions are. So, is it like Wisconsin and the fans in the, the is jumper is jump around, jump around in the fourth quarter? Yes, that's on there. That's, Come that's, on. Oh. Well, it's combined. <laughs> it's combined. It's, I think it's pretty cool. I've been to a Wisconsin game. I've seen that the jump, jump combined with the uh, the band staying for the fifth quarter. Okay. I'm not. I'm not ripping that. I'm not saying it doesn't belong on there. But come on, how is that tradition? They've been doing the Grove since like the, the 1930s. That jump around, I think, came out in 1992. The Aggie, the Aggie Rebel, Rebel is it the Rebel call? Texas Rebel practice. A and M is on there. They got. They say it's the midnight yell. Right, mi- re- yeah, Rebel practice. Yeah, and of course A and M, the whole 12th man thing, right, Big Dog? Yeah. Do they yes. still do it? If, if I remember correctly, maybe it's a uh, early stage dementia setting in which, by the way, Pat Summit has. I do think very... they cut it out. I don't think they do it anymore. You're okay. Right. But wasn't the 12th man? They actually would get non-scholarship kids to come out for the team and be part of the special teams. Right. Yeah. yeah they, they would. They would dress the... a fan up from the 12th man and bring him on for How cool. A, is that play one play? Yeah. They would be on the kickoff team, and those guys usually were unbelievable. They were like their best runners. They, that's all they would do is have uh-huh. one. And they would have tryouts. Sometimes they would have a different guy every game. Or sometimes maybe some guy was so good they would actually just, he would be the guy every single game and actually get and do every single snap on the kickoff team. What a great tradition. What is the midnight yell, though, Mike? Uh, well, but the night before the game, fans come out. A lot of fans come out and they'll, they'll practice the calls because they'll have, they'll have the leaders, like, I forget what their names are called, but they have leaders actually, like, leading the fan cheers. And they'll practice the night before the game the things <laughs> they do at the game, like the, all the 
the chants and the cheers and the calls. It says they get like 20,000 people to show up sometimes for the, for the practice. Right. And like, it's a, it's a big event because people, you know, people wow. bring dates to these things. Like there are proposals. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it's a huge deal down at okay. Texas A&M. All right. A&M in Wisconsin, throw me away. I don't know if we have time for all 10 today, but see if we can nail a couple more. Well, uh, I, I wouldn't mind guessing that. This, I, I doubt this is going to be on there, but one of the traditions I love is whichever team had won the previous Army or Navy trophy, well, the other team, the losing team, usually has some of their special forces try to infiltrate where the other team is keeping the trophy and try to steal it from them. <laughs> This is no joke. It happened uh-huh. every year. And last year, the Army, uh, the Army Rangers that, that are at West Point, the guys that are going to be future Army Rangers, actually infiltrated where Navy kept their trophy and stole the trophy and gave it back to them the day before the game. <laughs> That's a pretty cool one. I haven't heard that one before. I'm a little worried about our military security if they were able to do it that easy. <laughs> well, well we've, it's only been, they've only been able to steal it like once out of 25 years. The last time it was like in when uh, John F. Kennedy was actually the president. That's a pretty cool tradition. I doubt it's on there, is it? Army, well, Army Navy is number four on the traditions. Just the game. Just March the game, on for right? pageantry and patriotism. Nothing compares with watching the uniformed students who make the Corps of Cadets and Brigade of Midshipmen march into the stadium in the processional before the season ending showdown. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, on like, there. I don't know how much. Is the, uh, uh, red, red, red River r- rivalry on there? The, the Red River rivalry. The Texas Oklahoma it's not. game. I saw it somewhere else, but it is so not on there. Michigan Ohio State is going to be on there. Well, no, no, no. no. Now, now, were... now you're shooting over into rivalries. This is best traditions. Think single okay. school. Okay. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Army or Navy. That's that's the best. Army Navy was an exception. All the rest of them are single school. Stanford Band is, is there one of the traditions? You on know, there? I think if you would have done this poll five years ago, they might have won. But I think the Stanford Band has been how do we say a big dog neutered? Tamed? They've yeah. been neutered a little bit. So is it dotting the I at Ohio State? Number one, baby. That's number one. Number one, according to Sports Illustrated, the unattainable I above the field. It might appear at first the members of the Ohio State University Marching Band are inviting a snake. In fact, they're executing a highly choreographed. 75-year-old tradition of dotting the I, according to the SI, the number one tradition in all of sport. Wow. In all of college football. That, I don't know, Coach. Yeah, I'm I not mean, too it, sure about that. I'm well, with you. I'm not liking this. I'm not liking it right now, to be quite yeah. honest with you. Yeah. How about the... Uh, how okay, about the, okay. Now, how, I got another one. I got another one. This has got to be, it's got to be introductions now. Okay, now this I'm starting to get where this is going. Okay, so there's going to be an intro. The best intro... Of, you think of Virginia it's Tech? Miami going through the smoke. It's going to be touching the rock at Clemson because I used to have to do that. At I was oh, thinking about that. Oh, I was thinking about that as well. Michael Moreau and the big dog, and they were not uh, giving these answers beforehand. They didn't even know this was going to be tested today. You guys are right on it. Number five, Clemson, Howard's Rock. The touching okay, of the rock at Clemson. Wrong, though, but you have to admit, this is a little bit misleading of a question. So it's, uh, yeah. That is, I love that tradition, by the way. Mm-hmm. What are other great intros? I love the uh, Virginia Tech Inter Sandman intro. <laughs> that is pretty cool. What are they? The Virginia Tech who? The Virginia Tech before the before they enter. You know they've got Inter Sandman like the beginning of it, which is like blaring throughout the stadium, <laughs> and the fans are jumping. Uh-huh. Players are in the tunnel jumping. How cool! You and know the one by by Metallica. Excellent. Now you know that coach. You know that song, coach. I know you do. <laughs> oh man! Just just and the. So one of the coolest things I've ever seen about college sports was they were showing uh, a USC player 
excuse me, Notre Dame player at USC. They had like a camera on his head. Maybe it wasn't a player. It was like a, it was just a guy with a camera on his head. And at USC, they have a really, really, really wide tunnel, and it narrows down to where it's only three feet wide, and it's mm-hmm. all the old brick. And then you run out, and uh, like 95,000 people are right outside this little tiny hole. So like everybody got crammed down, and then all of a sudden you ran out and you exited into like this mass of people. It, was, it gave me chills on my spine. Whenever I think of that, I feel like running into somebody at full speed. So. <laughs> oh, man, it's getting me choose for college football. Is it next weekend or September 10th that we start? I think it's next weekend, right? Next weekend, yeah, September uh, 3rd is to be the first game. David Olson, our producer, Joel, as you know, not a huge college football fan. Just this last 15 minutes of discussion, I think he just uh, went on the Internet and bought tickets for Penn State against Purdue. Uh, well, that's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, okay, so let's think of other traditions. Mike, we got to figure this stuff out now. Number two is still out there. Okay, uh, it's now it's got to have something to do with Notre Dame because Notre Dame always has like ridiculous. Tri- what is Notre Dame known for? What do they do? Their band, well, Notre Dame's band, is pretty two, cool. There's two things. See, I would have actually. This is the the only one I might have gotten. Touch. I mean, what I yes. touchdown Jesus is. Oh no, no, one no. of the other. Ones. You were close touchdown with the first Jesus? word. Uh, oh, touchdown? Huh? No, the word touch. He was close. Touch. I can't. I can't. I can't seem to David think of Olsen. it. No, they touching the court on the way out of the locker room. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, Joel. Uh, I think David's got it. He's got his microphone. That's yes, what it is. It's touching the court on the way out of the yeah, locker room. play like a champion today. How could I have missed that? I used to rub the Highlanders' testicles before every single football <laughs> game. And I and I'm a big Notre Dame fan. So here, that's... here, Mike, you can see the fans can see we we used to put this on, on top of our uh, door. You remember this big door? I've got yeah. the sheet showed up on the webcast right now. Talk like a champion today. Coach, I'm, I'm disgusted with myself that that wasn't yeah. one of the first ones that I said. Because yeah. I was going to go, when I said Notre Dame, I was going to say with them singing their alma mater well, after every single game, whether they've lost to Miami by 100. That's the other part of it. They put Notre Dame in there as number nine, and those are the two traditions they talk about. Oh, well, at least I got, we got one of them, Mike. We got one. Okay. We got to get more of these. How many more do we got to get, Coach? Uh, what do we got? One. There's a couple you might have a chance for, number 10. I don't know. Uh, you might not have a chance at number 10. Any conference hints? Who? Conference hints? Like where the conference you is got, from? You uh, got both Southeast conferences. Both are, well, I guess they're not Southeast. Well, the Georgia, one's Southeast, one's ACC. Well, they don't do the Georgia-Florida tailgate anymore. They, they no, cut that out. The outdoor tailgate party. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's, see, that's a tradition. Now, that is a tradition that I would say is one of the – most known in college football. Georgia and the Georgia, Georgia, Florida. They, they called it the world's largest cocktail so party. Both both schools tailgate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, it's, 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 and they and they played it at a neutral site for forty years, coach, at uh, Jacksonville Stadium. Mm-hmm. So it was right in between, and it was just like a party for both states. Friendly, was, um, friendly party. Do the do the it, tailgates? It huh? Uh, it wasn't San Francisco, Oakland. But it wasn't exactly Cubs Cardinals either. It wasn't that friendly. Okay. A little bit in between. Okay. You'd have alligators eating four bulldogs all over the place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think Southeast Conference and think a bird. War Eagle. There it is. Oh. By Auburn. And I, I don't know that I've seen that. I've heard of it. I don't know you that know I've seen tradition? it. Mike, you're going to love this. Okay, check this out. In 1972, there was, uh, now, now they're, the, they're the Auburn Tigers or whatever, but there was uh, an eagle that uh, one of the somebody on campus that was in in part of their wildlife whatever studies found an eagle, nursed it back to health. This eagle was right about to die. It didn't have much time to live. 
Okay, this is no joke. They go to the Alabama game. They're trailing by 11 points in the fourth quarter, and they've just forced Alabama to kick, okay? And right before the punt, right before that they were about to kick, this eagle who was about to die is on the sideline. They took him to every single game, and, like, you know, the players would run out and, and go past him. It wasn't anything special. They didn't really think anything of it. But right before this kick, this eagle flies off of the guy's hand, flies all the way around the stadium, okay, like inside of the stadium, and lands right back on the guy's hand. And immediately the play after that, they blocked the punt. The guy returned it for a touchdown. Okay, now they're only down four. Three and out. That I'm not kidding you. The bird does the same thing, and on the next play, they block the punt, return for a touchdown. They beat Alabama, and this was the first game ever played between Alabama and and Auburn in Auburn because before that, Alabama refused to play them in Auburn. It was wow. either at Alabama or at a neutral site. How cool is that? Or Eagle. That is one of the greatest traditions. So now what the tradition is, sport. apparently, uh, uh, and that's a pretty strong statement from the Big Dog, but uh, it sounds like you've got it. Right in line, but apparently prior to the game, now they have the war eagle flies and swoops around. No, and they... I don't know. I don't know about all that. Well, they yeah, that's war what... eagle, but it all started from the day that. The, and the, yeah, and but, the but, but I'm telling you, day. Big Dog, this this is their tradition now. It says according to here, ninety thousand fans. There's no more rabbit, more maniacal college football fans than the Auburn fans. And this war eagle, I guess they got it trained now. Uh-huh. Swerves or, or uh, uh, flies around the stadium and lands at the fifty-yard line. And as he's landing at the fifty-yard line, as he's flying around, the whole crowds go war. And as he lands, eagles, the whole crowd. And I guess that's part of the the, the tradition now. Yeah, that's got to be pretty cool is to see in person. I would yeah, love to I, go down there and see some any SEC football game. That's a lot of tradition. Wow, in, in that conference. You would love to see the Alabama game, obviously, but it, like you're right, any game. If they were playing LSU or Tennessee or Florida, the, just the intensity is just amazing. I, I, I cannot wait to go to an Auburn game, Coach. Mm-hmm. I think their first three games are Carthage College, Robert Morris, and Beloit. <laughs> you know, you know, Auburn actually has a tough schedule, and I'm going to tell you this right now: they finish below 500, five and seven. Yeah, wow, Gene, Gene, Gene Chizik will come back to reality. He, now that he doesn't have Cam Newton, people will realize the, the coach Gene Chizik actually is. Five and seven. That's, that's Five and seven, coach. The SEC is loaded this year. Teams like Mississippi and Mississippi State are not pushovers. And Florida, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, all good. Oh, did we mention South Carolina is the favorite in the East? Right. So that's, okay. that's, that's going to be a fun year to watch the SEC. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine the kind of talent that's going to come out of there. What for about the draft. a team that you think of in the SEC? Uh, initially, I think that, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, they're in the ACC. They've got a lot of rivalries with SEC teams that they do something in their pregame. That's the final tradition we got to get to here. Uh, it's an ACC team? ACC team, but they're deep in the heart of uh, SEC country. In Florida State with the, uh, the Seminole. With oh, the, the, the flaming spear. The spike, yeah. Spears, uh, it's on fire, and they yes. throw a spear on. But yeah. Illinois can't have a can't have Chief Illini Wex oh. do an original Illini Wex dance. Yeah, but that, the Florida Seminoles can have a burning spear uh, <laughs> slammed down into the fifty yard line. You know why? Because Florida State paid off the Seminole Indian. I don't know why the University of Illinois did not do that and do something for Illini Wex Nation. Makes yeah, no well, sense to me. You think uh, Mike Moreau, you're closer to it? You went to the University of Missouri all four years, at least we hope. If uh, the Chief Illiniwek was still there, would you put it in the top ten traditions or maybe just on the outside looking in? I would say... When he comes out at halftime? 
compared to that list, it'd probably be just on the outside looking in because that's a pretty pretty heavy list they have yeah. right there. Even if I don't agree with everything on the list, I don't I don't think I would put it in. The There's top only 10. Uh, Chief makes his big debut. Correct me if I'm wrong, Big Doe. Used to anyways at halftime. The only other halftime tradition. Is the is the Ohio State dot in the eye? That's pregame. That's pregame. So would Illinois' Chief Alinawek? Am I right? Did he make his big entrance when he got the fans going? That was halftime, right? It was halftime, coach. So and that, he didn't prance around on the sideline. No. He didn't act goofy after touchdown. Right. He went out and did a proper true yes. Alinawek dance. Yes. So. Yep. There was nothing nothing embarrassing about it. But maybe uh, you know, there's no other halftime traditions there. So maybe that was you know the best. Halftime tradition in all of college football, at any rate. Uh, coach, yeah, I'm not going to worry about where it would be on. I'm just upset that uh, there's too many uh, white people that didn't want uh, that Illinois have a show in their true colors, yeah. exactly what they are. I guess everybody wants to forget that there were once Native Americans here before us. I mm-hmm. guess that's what they're trying to do. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, Michael at the University of Missouri, before we uh, move on real quick to a little baseball talk, any Traditions, and I uh, keep in mind this is a, a family show. Kids could be listening. Some of the schools are not in session yet. I would say our biggest tradition is homecoming every year. You know, it's a it's a huge event that's planned a year in advance. You know, once homecoming ends one year, the planning starts for the next year. And in fact, this year is the hundredth homecoming. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of people going back, and it's it's going to be pretty. Columbia's going to be pretty crazy down down there that weekend. There's going to be a lot of people coming back. Yes. So are you trying to say that Missouri came up with homecoming before Illinois came up with homecoming? That's what the history books say. That's not what the Illinois history books say. It says that Illinois had the first homecoming. Not according to to what a lot of people say. (laughs) Big dog, I went through the Missouri, um, now that you're bringing the memory back, Mike, because we visited with my son, and I give you the whole orientation. I do recall them going through the whole thing according to their lore anyways. Missouri's was the very first homecoming year. Yeah, and just to let you know, uh, University of Illinois says they have the first homecoming ever. That's the first. That's the first I've heard of that. I've never heard I, of I, Illinois. Really, that's the first you've heard of that because that's like I've always like known that. When even before, like in the early '80s, when I was becoming an Illinois fan, that was like one of the first things that I learned. That that and Red Grange was the greatest football player that has ever put on cleats. Explains. Desplaines, uh, Darren emailing in Big Dog and said he thought Oakton Community College had the first homecoming. They did, actually, as a matter of fact, because that was basically, I mean, Oakton is a, is a fine institution, Coach. Oh, boy. When it, when those eight people marched across River Road, it was uh, across Central Road along River. Truly a great memory for those that were there to visit. Oh, the pageantry. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, uh, enough of college football. That was good stuff. I enjoyed it. Thank you for where I didn't even have college football on the docket today, Big Dub, but he wore the Missouri Tiger. We declare this Tiger Country T-shirt. I'm wearing the K-State thing, and we got all sidetracked. I'm getting the feeling that this might be both of our wheelhouse. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be good times, and hopefully, you know, I can come in a few times and we can get some college football talk going. I think. Well, you're you're gonna need to because I have a lot of work to do, and I'm going to be all across the country over the next couple months. So. If you don't want me doing like a, a show coach from the Statue of Liberty, Mike's going to have to come in and do some program for it. Oh, we got to get, you can tell Michael's a big college football fan. We'll get him in early and often. Of course, as uh, soon as college football is over, we won't talk to him again. But during the football season, you'd be more than welcome, Mike. 
Sounds good to me. <laughs> you know how good of a, a big of a football fan is I am, Mike. Is that I, I checked to see if Rutgers was playing at home while I was in New York over that particular week. I, that, I mean, I would have loved to have seen them take on like Temple. I'm going to I'm going I'm going to be in San Antonio over Labor Day. I would love to see if I could go to some kind of football game while no, while I was I down there. I, well, there's nothing in San Antonio. There's Division two schools which you that I mean that's nothing wrong with football that. to watch. But it's great. Yeah, not, I don't. With Texas El Paso, El Paso is far from San Antonio, isn't it? Texas is massive, so I really don't think you're going to have. I don't think you're going to have any college football to watch up. No, I have been to the uh, UTEP Stadium. It's really nice. It's that's like dug out into a mountain. Right, the right? Mo- the mountains surround it, and if uh-huh. you, you know if you're watching a game at sunset, it's a really it's a really cool cool view. And uh, is, is the old guy from Washington State still coaching there? Uh, oh, I, Mike Price? Yeah, Mike Price. Is he still coaching? As far as I know, he's still down there. Wow. Yeah, Coach, that dude has not had a ball thrown further than five yards down the field in, in like eight seasons. <laughs> and he hasn't had the ball off yet either. All they do is just throw two-yard passes. It's uh-huh. wonderful offense to watch. God, I forgot about Mike Price. He's still hanging around college football, huh? I guess so. Wow. Wow. Gary Patterson is where? A Texas Christian. Right, yeah, for right. now. For, hmm? for now, before somebody yeah. offers him, yeah, he's a hell of a coach. The, well, the right let's, contract. Let's let's see what happens now. If Texas has a lot of money when it comes to their football, now that they're in a BCS conference, okay, in the Big East, what happens if they win it? All of a sudden, they're in the national championship game wait, this wait, year, wait, wait, wait. and all of a sudden, Texas Christian can look back and be like, "Hey, you know what? We can throw a bunch of money at this guy." I mean, that could happen. It, but I, I do agree with you. it's not likely, Mike, but it could happen. Texas right. Christian. Yeah, they joined in the Big East. Yeah, they made the decision to join last year. Texas Christian. What, David? I don't know how we're doing geographically here, but if you're keeping score at home, Texas Christian from the Deep South in the Big East. The Big Ten has 12 teams. The Pac or the Big 12 now has 10 teams, and the Pac 10 has how many teams? Twelve, but they're they're actually the Pac twelve. Oh, they, they called cha- it the Pac twelve. They, they changed okay. their name, yeah. So Texas, that, that makes sense for Texas, them. Texas, I've heard of regionally, you know, moving I'm, I'm the moving the chains think. a little bit, but Texas Christian in the Big East, that's 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 a quantum leap. That's you a money making move. I'm, I'm, fellas, you guys probably have internet access here, and, and you went to school, Mike. Maybe you can figure this out. Is Boulder east or west of Fort Worth where Texas Christian is? I know, obviously, you know, Fort Worth no, is dramatically west. more it's, south. It's but it would west. be funny if that school was in the Big East, was west of uh, <laughs> of Boulder, which is in the Pac-10, the Pacific Conference. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Northwestern well, playing uh, southwest Louisiana and the yeah, East Coast. Yeah, because TCU and, is more central, because that's in Fort, Fort Worth. Yes. So Boulder is definitely, was definitely west. Okay, okay. Yeah. Whew. All right. If anybody taking notes at home, uh, this show is archived. If you want to go back and get some of Big Dog's thoughts geographically on the uh, natural disasters or college football, you can do it at uh, talkzone.com or go to our twoguysmike.com website and you can, uh, you know, this is a, we're not only entertaining Big Dog. This is an informational show. I've always said teachers could use this program as somewhat of a, uh, not a primary course, but an adjunct to the material they're teaching. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> People need uh, people need to hear what's going on here, coach. I can just hear some social studies teacher second day of class. Big dogs descri- Mike's description of Colorado versus TCU as far as which is uh, gets some well, incoming. One's the Pacific Coast, the other's the Big East. 
So, yeah. I mean, maybe if you're, I know that's still not a major conference, even though it is a BCS conference, but maybe if they can always have a BCS bowl to go to, Texas Christian will have more money to keep Gary Patterson, who's just a phenomenal coach, one of the most underrated coaches. I, I just love his style. Smothering defense, they punch quarterbacks in the mouth, and on and on offense, they run it down your throat and they throw it over the top. They have quarterbacks that go for the go for the jugular. They don't sit there and they rink and deacon all over the field. I will throw you out later on. We don't got time today, but Sports Illustrated's top ten coaches in America. Hint number one, uh huh, Gary Patterson. Wow, they number actually one. gave him the nod at number one. Number one. He, he's done a great job down there with TCU, you know, with that program building it up in a place in Texas, which is hard to do with all the schools that surround TCU. So I would have gone with Missouri's Gary Pinkle, but, uh, you know, hey. <laughs> I, I, w- I don't think I would have even gone there, and I like Gary Pinkle. <laughs> so, right. uh, I just want to let you know, hopefully the devil, the, the bad devil on Nick Saban's shoulder is busy during practice because he's going to be awful upset that he wasn't number one. <laughs> yeah. All right. We. I, I'm not even sure he's in the. I think he is in the top ten. We'll we'll, we'll revisit that list. Big dog. I'm a little in the top ten, and there needs to be a brand new yeah, top ten. Yeah, you're right about that. As much as I don't like him, he's a pretty damn good coach. Uh, all right, big dog. We got you all excited in college football here, and the fact that he's wearing nothing but a bathrobe uh, is somewhat disturbing, Mike. And all I can say is, thank goodness we don't have a live webcast from our big dog. Is yes, David. Before you move on to baseball, which is where I think you're going, there's an NFL note I wanted to Uh-oh. pass along. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts have coaxed Terry yes. Collins out yes. of retirement. And the Twitter sphere is flipping out about it because it's pretty much a given at this point that Peyton Manning will not be ready for week one. Yep. and Break the consecutive game. The streak is over. Yeah, yeah. At least week one. Big deal. We have a lot of Curtis Painter fans that are not happy right now. Uh <laughs> I don't think Terry, Terry Collins is going to be the quarterback for the Colts, people. That's not what – he is not being pulled off of mothballs to be ready by September 11th to play football. Oh, yes, it, he is. It's impossible. Yes, he is. That's what it looks Mike, like. I think so, too. And it, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Go. When will it be time for Indianapolis to actually draft or sign a real quarterback? Because I figure I, – you know, the, their thinking has to be Peyton Manning's going to be our quarterback for – you know, another five or six years, we'll just keep drafting guys to just put behind there in case something happens. And guys that have not been good. You know. What happened to Jim Sorgi out of Wisconsin? He's not there? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Curtis Painter. It's backup. Yeah, Sorgi, last I heard, was in okay. New York. No, I, I, Big Dog, I hate to disagree with you, but I will disagree with you. I think uh, that's exactly why they got him. I think they determined that Curtis Painter, not the answer as a starter. I think Kerry Collins will be in uniform. Well, uh, he, well uh, I knew he'd be in uniform on the sideline because I, I didn't think they want to go with two basically unproven players into a game. But I, I think they're going to go with Painter, and as long as he isn't a disaster, you know, that if he's a disaster, then they're like, okay, go out here, Terry Collins, and try to make some professional throws at a quarterback on a team that you really don't know. You know that's I just can't imagine playing quarterback in the NFL after only two weeks or three weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. The right, and I just, I also just find it hard. Well, my other, my thinking is also, I find it hard to believe that Peyton Manning won't be ready. I think he's gonna, I, knowing Peyton Manning, he's gonna find some way. What, on what's the, field. the injury? He's got a neck injury, and his huge issues. He didn't want to see anybody, but the Colts trainer 
during the lockout, so he couldn't see the coach trainer. Interesting. And that I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw this out. Nate Manning is one of the toughest SOBs that has ever played the game of football, and I really hope you're right, Mike, because I don't want his consecutive game streak to end this way. And I love the fact he said I'm not going to take one snap or a token snap or any of that stuff or, or play if I'm not ready. But the truth of the matter is I had a slight neck injury my junior year playing football in college, and to this day it bothers me. Knees, backs, all that stuff. You can work uh, on that stuff and get it to a way. Necks are totally, totally different. This is an injury I say, not I, mess with. I say tape it up and get out there and play. You tape, tape just, your neck up is a good look, by the way. It's my solution to everything. Just tape it up and get out there. Peyton, Peyton will try. I think he okay. will try and get out there. He's not like I, you know, like Big Dog said. He's a he's a tough he's a tough guy, and you know people don't give him enough credit for it. But mm-hmm. I think he'll I think he'll be ready. I, I hope he is. I really do. I, I hope he is. I don't want it to end like this. And and to be quite honest with you, I want him to get to 300. I want him to break Favre's record. Mm-hmm. I really do. I want him to own every one of Brett Favre's records except for interceptions, which probably will happen, mm-hmm. and fumbles. By the way, speaking of uh, Curtis Painter, he's a Purdue University graduate. I just want to make sure it's on record, big dog, so that the M&M man, the young and the restless, Michael Moreau, will also hear my surprise pick for the Big Ten and college football this year, the Purdue Boilermakers. Just, I just want to make sure I have that on tape. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nobody's talking about him right now. I have great confidence in Danny Hope, most underrated coach in the country, and the quarterback combo of Rob Henry and Robert Marr, big dog, and an improved defense, uh, Purdue will be the surprise team. Thank you. It better be an improved defense. They, and they also yeah. lost some decent football players off the defense that was awfully average last year. So. Yeah. Yeah, the Car- well, Kerrigan was a number one pick, right? Yeah, it's, yeah he was first rounder. And he was the defensive MVP of the conference. Mm-hmm. And so they lose him on a defense that was already average. So I, I do not understand your Purdue Boilermaker love, to be quite honest. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where it's coming from either, but okay. yeah. we'll, we'll it could talk. be a surprise pick. We will talk the third week of October, gentlemen. If I'm wrong, David Olson, this tape will be destroyed. If I'm right, it'll. when you look at the archives, like every show will be this show. Thank you very Just much. Just to let you know, the third week of October, I'm going to be uh, in San Francisco. <laughs> That's Rusty, so you're going to have to do the show that week. Beautiful. Yeah. I think Rusty Silver will be in if I'm looking ahead in the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Always a popular show, by oh, the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to our listeners, first and foremost. <laughs> I talked to Rusty yesterday. He's doing well. He said to say hello. Even though you don't like him, he said say hi to the big dog. Oh, yeah, I didn't say I didn't like him. Yes, you did. What did I, I said that. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Uh, let's go. All with right. Quickly, gentlemen, I know you're all in a celebratory mood, but uh, yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of Mike Quade taking over the Cubs. How's that for bringing the discussion down to a more morose level? <laughs> Not good. I still like the guy, but I think I'm the only one. Yeah, I just I just tend to think he's been a little overmatched this year in managing the Cubs. I think last year, you know, he just caught him. They caught a good streak, kind of like they just did at you know when they recently won twelve yeah. of fifteen. When it clearly, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. A lot easier to win in uh, August and September when you're not in it, than right? Winning when the games count. Exactly, and I don't. I just don't think he's ready to manage a team yet. I mean, they tried. They gave him a year. But I think at the end of the season, they have to find somebody a little more experienced to to deal with the Cubs. Well, well, we'll let the new GM figure that one out. So when Theo Epstein comes in and brings in uh, Terry Francona as manager, we'll find out what happens. Andrew Friedman. That's Yeah, Fried, this Friedman, Friedman guy seems to be the uh, yep. 
popular choice for thirty four years old for, for the, the Tampa Houston, Bay for the Astros and the maybe the Cubs. Yep. The Astros are going to want him a lot because he's a hometown guy, but well, you know he'll have a lot more resources. The, he's the guy who brought all the talent to Tampa Bay. Right, he's the guy who's well, been their GM. To Chicago immediately. Yes. Okay, that's who I want. Yes. I want the Cubs to be full with a plethora of prospects from their own yep. farm system. Yep. I want a free agent signing to be the cherry on top. I say it all the time. That's what mm-hmm. I want. I want 18 guys from the Chicago Cubs to be from the Chicago Cubs farm system. That's His ability to evaluate players, especially young players, has been outstanding on limited budget. And, of course, the Cubs got a bigger budget. Uh, by the way, Roy, to, I don't want to totally depress you, but I saw this statistic um, talking about Quade probably leaving at the end of the year. Of the last 10 managers since Don Zimmer, only one of 10 is at an over 500 record. How depressing is that? Which would be Lou Pinella, right? Yes, and he's yeah. barely. Same I think Lou was like 519. So, that, I mean, that's that's a pretty depressing streak. Same with Jim, Jim Hendry. You know, he, his record as a GM is one game over 500. Yeah. But, you know, that's... That's really only they fired because him just in time, didn't they? Yeah, fired him just in time so he could keep his <laughs> his over five hundred record. Yeah, but that I mean, that, we're not talking three out of four, four out of five, big deal. That's an extended period of time. Nine out of ten, and that and the tenth was barely over five hundred. That's a that's a depressing losing streak. I can name I can name every year that the Cubs have been oh. over five hundred, and typically it's basically every year that they made the playoffs. Either the Cubs make the playoffs or they suck. Every year except the uh, 2000, 2004 when they had that collapse. Yeah. Collapse that last week. They were over 500 that year, too. Okay, so think about this, Coach. This is from between 1978 and today. 2004 when they had the collapse and and uh, LaTroy Hawkins uh, decided to be a Chicago Cup <laughs> that year. It was horrible. Okay. Oh, boy. And 1995. Besides those two years, every other year the Cubs have either been under 500 or they went to the playoffs. So they've had two winning seasons where they didn't go to the playoffs. In 1995, they were 73 and 71, and the crazy thing was if they didn't realign baseball that year, they would have been National League East champions. But instead, because of the realignment, they weren't even one of the top four teams in the National League because of the Des- three different divisions. Desplains Darren, the guy who talked about Oakton Community College's homecoming, just emailed in and said he thinks if the Cubs would have kept Mel Rojas, things would have been different. <laughs> they gave up on him too soon. <laughs> He probably leads the list of all-time worst oh, Cubs. Oh my God! Well, I, I only bring him up because Big Dog mentioned Latroy Hawkins, who's he's in the team picture as well. Yeah, but I think Ro, Rojas might Rojas might take the cake. Just he was disaster. worse. Rojas was worse, but Latroy Hawkins was needed much more on a better team. Yeah. So like we were like, oh, Mel Rojas sucks, but the Cubs <laughs> lost their first fourteen games that year, and when we realized our closer was horrible in '97, we were like, yeah, whatever, we suck. But in '04, when you have uh, Mark Pryor, who, by the way, is still pitching in the New York Yankees farm system. Uh, speaking of Mark Pryor, just like a small note on him, I read that he has a, another shoulder injury, so he suffered a minor back. setback in the Yankees farm system. Back to throwing terry cloth towels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm not laughing at, at yeah, Mark Pryor. Man. Like, it was so they had that great team, and you have five blown saves in September, and they lose by one game. Do you know what I mean? So, like, you're right, Mel Rojas was a lot worse, but when Mm-hmm. Hawkins does it when they have a chance at the playoffs. It just hurt a lot more. Yeah, uh, we got to wrap it up. Great college football discussion, Big Dog. We will continue on that thought and talk some more baseball. We didn't get to the White Sox today. Hopefully tomorrow we'll be talking about a victory they lost painfully in the bottom of the ninth yesterday, yeah, five some, to four. Good ball game, but a bad ending. Some White Sox. Sox and Bears thought.
Bears have a big game this weekend. You know, the old line has to step it up. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Joe, any parting words for young Mike Moreau as he ventures out into the world and looks for a job? Oh, you're looking for work? <laughs> oh, my goodness. There's I'm some, sorry. There's some confidence for you. Michael, <laughs> great to see you, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back in real soon, possibly tomorrow. Hopefully so. We'll see. <laughs> Go Missouri. Go Tigers. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Michael, thanks for coming in. David Olson, our producer, phenomenal job. Big dog and a coach back at it tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed the college football talk. At least we did. Have a great day, everybody. Two guys in a mic. TalkZone.com signing off 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.